With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Houston, we uh, apparently don't have a problem because this podcast is working fine. Before we continue my first ever journey through the Harry Potter series, just a few quick announcements. First, it is the first episode in July, meaning that it is donation time here at Potterless. We donate $1 for every patron over at our team at patreon.com slash Potterless. And at the time of recording, we have 849 patrons, meaning we will be donating $849 to Love Does Not Exclude Association. Now, this is a Polish charity with a Polish name that I was going to butcher, so I went with the English translation. This charity was suggested to me by listener Ola, who taught me a lot about the charity and the situation that's going over in Poland. Marriage equality is not great over there, and it really saddened me to learn about what that situation is like. There's a really great New York Times article out there if you want to learn more about it, but this association does a lot of great work. They've already helped put some legislation into action with the Warsaw mayor signing an LGBT plus declaration, which has helped at the local level, but they're trying to do more to educate and promote the idea of marriage equality in Poland. It's a fantastic charity, and if you want to learn more about them, you can go to mnw.org.pl. So thank you, Ola, for the suggestion, and thanks, patrons, for making this donation possible. And speaking of patrons, we have a whole lot of new patrons Welcome to the team this week. So shout out to Emily Park, Lydia Jones, Brittany Byrne, Rebecca Morton, Jenny Long, Farzan Garabat, Evangeline Lilly, Jonathan Hacker, Iris Embla Janstadter, Hemelig, Rhiannon, Caitlin Williams, Lata Kalamo, Kiara Maznovo, Nicole Sizer, Britt, Sabrina Sondergaard, Esther Moskops, Kate Ansel, Imogen Deller, Rachel, Don McKinney, Ava Martinez, Ava Zuba, Seth Kahn, Danae Ferguson, Ricky Jessen, Ginny Molster, Melina Gerstenberg, Hagai Kiri, Sam Moore, Kathleen Whitaker, and someone who made their name pronunciation correction for underfed slash underfed. <laughs> Shout out to Jessica Allen, Baweep, Gra Nawip, Nini Bong, Anna Martin, Violet Sullivan, Frederick Seglem, and Cassidy Marsh who upgraded their pledge. A pronunciation correction for Netta Atabani. A upgrade correction for not saying that Professor Threat joined the producer level status as well as a shout out for our new producer level patrons, Sebastian, Kelsey Ulesian, Ellie Hoskovchova, Kel Elise, and Savvy Blue. They joined the ranks of Leanne, Vicky, Aaron, Jesse, Natalie, Clow, Frank, Marchismo, Samantha, Juan, Kieran, Abid, Rosemarie, Jill, Maria, Lisa, Romina, Kamel, Russell, Dustin, Audra, Eleanor, Sydney, Billy, Rossanne, Nikita, Taylor, Ali, Amelia, Sean, Sarah, Ben, Rachel, Zachary, Orchid, Vivian, Takari, Haley, Moster, Pinky, Angelina, Ross, Marie, Alex, Brian, Caitlin, Mosin, Grace, Raul, Ingen, Mari, Brianne, Alexandra, John, Jen, Noel, Tao, Emily, Robin, Will, Liz, Mariah, Brandon, Sarah, Claire, Teal, Rory, Gloria, Sarah, Patrick, Alicat, Hallie, Veronica, Kevin, Lada, Noah, Tracy, Carlos, Pam, Colleen, Jennifer, Friday, Ivor, Naomi, Tyler, Summer, Heather, Vera, Kerry, Andrea, Ella, Anthony, David, Elisa, Lynn, Cameron, Justin, Christine, Jacob, Toothless, Maya, Mark, Polly, Srujan, Brittany, Tumnus, Remney, Matt, Sarah, Nona, Zena, Emily, Colleen, Harlan, Wouter, Sheldarp, Noelia, Addy, Brian, Washin, Jenny, Nikki, Kara, Dorcas, Courtney, Kine, Amanda, Sabrina, Alicia, Kafir, Lindy, Marta, Benjamin, Tajinder, Skymart, Sarah, Peter, Yash, Marta, Stephanie, Justine, Aaron, CJ, Eileen, Kate, Violet, Hannah, Kat, Lindsay, Elizabeth, Fielding, Stephanie, Keegan, Miranda, Gail, Mr. Folk, Heather, Adam, Jesus, Christina, Maya, Zachary, Kieran, Ariel, Heaven, Callahan, Christy, Lily, Wire Warrior, Floor, Siri, Georgia, Ville, Itzel, Mitch, Al, Topher, Peter, Candy, Skyla, Edel, and Kurt, I bought. 
<laughs> who never take a bite of a sandwich and have a bunch of the condiments fall onto their lap. If you want to be one of these amazing patrons and get access to the new Potterless Discord, bonus episodes, my notes, exclusive merchandise, you can head on over to patreon.com slash Potterless. But without further ado, let's get into episode 83 of Potterless, covering chapter 32 of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, guest starring Will Williams and Elena Fernandez Collins. Hello, Internet, and welcome back to another episode of Potterless, the tale of a grown man reading the Harry Potter series for the very first time. My name is Mike Schubert. I am that grown man, and I am joined today by two wonderful women who review and critique podcasts and do a very good job of it. It's Will Williams and Elena Fernandez Collins. Will and Ellie, how's it going? It's going good. It's going good. It is. It's going pretty good. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, it's a good day. I had a nap. That (laughs) always is the sign of a good day. (laughs) So before we discuss chapter 32, which is the Elder Wand, which is a fun and juicy chapter, I do want to get it out there. What are your Hogwarts houses? I'll say, Ellie, why don't you go first? Oh, boy. (laughs) I'm a Slytherin. Oh, good. But not the racist kind, I hope. But not the racist kind. Good, 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 good. Yeah. I am very much a Hufflepuff. Ellie and I are both kind of extremely our houses, I would yes. say. <laughs> very. I, I could see it. Yeah. I could see it a lot. That's very fun. Well, I'm glad we have a nice diverse rounding out of the cast today in terms of house representation. So this will be a fun one, especially since uh, your boy Snape is a factor in this one. It's true. Yeah. Sure is. No, I had you both on this chapter and not the next one where Snape, uh, like at, at least I'm assuming, does the pensive trip where he tries to at least we see why he's maybe good, question mark. And you both expressed that you used to like Snape, but not anymore. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. I think we both have a pretty complicated relationship with Snape in our history. Yes. Agreed. I definitely like was a Snape. I'm going to put fangirl kind of in quotes more in lines with the thinking of like he can be redeemed. He's trying to be a good person. Like he's trying to improve rather than he's just misunderstood because I don't think that was the case. Mm-hmm. And now I'm just kind of like, nah, he was not. It's no. <laughs> It's fun. Yeah. (laughs) I have always had an attachment to characters who are so, quote unquote, like poorly understood until it's far too late. Mm -hmm. You know, like starting from being a kind of outcast youth and then an outcast in general and then additionally more of an outcast. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just layer outcasthood on top of one another. Yeah. You know, sad, awful outcast people. I have an affinity for, at least at that time in my life, I had an affinity for. Um, I think that I am with Ellie, you know, on the opinion now where, uh, bye bitch. Yeah. (laughs) Rest in peace. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, well, I don't like Snape a lot. Yeah. I know that he does, at least does something where people do. I've never been a big fan. I just, I just can't. I can't get over the whole like making fun of a ten-year-old for no good reason. Yeah, yeah. Or however old Hermione was, like twelve or thirteen or whatever. It's just like hard for me to get past. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because you know she was friends with the kid of the girl I had a crush on. Uh-huh. Like that seems you didn't need to make fun of Hermione Snape, but you do you, I guess. But anyway, let's get into chapter thirty-two the elder wand um 
what? Oh, oh, right. <laughs> my, the first thing in my notes was Harry is baffled. And I was like, what happened? Oh, yeah, Fred died. <laughs> oh, God. <sighs> yeah. Oh, yeah, by the way, like, Fred died. <laughs> <sighs> Can we just say, like, that scene, like, ripped my heart out oh, in the yeah. beginning where not Fred's death as much as Percy's reaction at Aftermath. the beginning of this. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah, so I was the kind of kid where I would go to like, you know, the midnight um, releases for the books. I'd go to all the parties and then I would come home with the book and I would just stay up and I would I would just finish it. Mm-hmm. I read the fifth book in like one sitting. So yep. for this, I was expecting to do the same and I was powering through it and then I got to Fred's death and then I got to this scene and... I looked at my book <laughs> and I, I grabbed a bookmark and I put the bookmark into the book and I put the book down on the ground and I laid back on my bed and just looked at the ceiling for like at least 10 minutes, but what felt like seven hours. Uh, yeah, I was jostled. <laughs> yeah, jostled. That's a that's a nice, nice like understatement. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was rough because you're right. The act itself rough. Mm-hmm. The reaction afterwards of Harry and Percy just absolutely freaking out. And Ron also incredibly too. Rough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, having to hold Ron back and say like, "We have to stop this. We can't let this distract us." Mm-hmm. And like the big thing for me was also like the way that this punctuated Percy's redemption arc. Yeah, I would call it a yes. redemption moment. That's valid. When someone shoots a layup in basketball, they're not like nice arc. It's like you were four feet from the basket. <laughs> <laughs> you should have made that one. But yeah, it is a nice moment from Percy. And, and there's like hope like for them. To, there's this yes. moment of hope. Yeah. The fact that this comes like riding right on top of it is just like, oh, cool. Neat. So that's the mood of the mood of the battle. Got it. The image of all of them taking Fred's body, dragging it, mm-hmm. and then hiding it i forgot that they hit it just hope nothing happens hope that we can collect his remains after yeah that image is just so rough super duper rough well let's get into it so yeah start off harry super baffled and he just cannot fathom he cannot believe that fred would actually be dead and the squad is all huddled together and percy is laying on top of fred's body and he refuses to move as harry yells for him to leave he's in tears and then hermione screams and it is a monstrous spider looking to crawl through the wall and they realize that this is one of aragog's descendants now at this point in time when i was reading this i was very confused because i was thinking okay is this good or bad <laughs> that Hagrid's spider friends are here? It is not long until we realize that this is very bad. Very, very, very bad. <laughs> this is very bad. Extremely bad. Yeah. <laughs> not great, you might say. <laughs> yeah. So Ron and Harry shoot a spell at it, but not doing a whole lot because there's a whole bunch more coming as well. So Harry is shooting stunning spells left and right at them. And at this point, as you mentioned, they try to hide Fred's body where a small suit of armor used to be. Mm-hmm. And then Percy, in a fit of rage, chases after Rookwood. Mm-hmm. So then Hermione has to pull Ron and Harry behind a tapestry, and she has to restrain Ron from chasing after Percy. And Ron just, he wants to help, he wants to fight alongside Percy, but the squad has a task that they need to take care of, and they need to tend to this task, because as Hermione reminds him, it won't end until we take care of Nagini. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, if they wait here, it's just going to be more and more and more piles. Mm-hmm. Not that, you know, them advancing 
stops the the piles from happening. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's still going to be a lot of those piles. Yeah, this scene in particular, when I first read it, is really when I had to like take a moment to stop and be like, these are teenagers. Yeah, yes. These few chapters are really the ones that really drove home the fact that these kids are under 18 or like just 18, depending on who we're talking Mm -hmm. about. And they're surrounded by people younger than them also fighting. And it's just very much like this moment of like, we have to fight and we can't like avenge our friends through the way that you want to. Mm -hmm. It's just like very focused Mm -hmm. in a situation where that kind of focus like doesn't come easily Mm -hmm. yeah it's something that just like i can't imagine being in a situation with such high stakes now yeah at age 27 whereas when i was in high school i remember i got invited to a paintballing birthday party (laughs) and i remember being scared of oh no what if i get hit in the arm with a thing that stings for like 10 seconds like (laughs) that was terrifying to me like this is a situation where you could you know come out from your hiding spot and get trampled by a giant spider or a wall could fall over on you or a giant could step on you or a stunning spell could hit you or a vada cadaver could hit you Mm -hmm. there are so many different things happening all at once that could harm you that it's ridiculous and also all these kids like harry ron and hermione have dealt with some stuff and the order of the phoenix members have dealt with some stuff and fighting in battles etc majority of these students have never had to use their magic in a pressure situation outside of like their exams and they can't like they've never had to fight anything real except for that one time in lupin's final he made them do it and that was like that's it but even like for the little babies you know like they've never had this opportunity because all of the laws explicitly restrict those things especially the rules within hogwarts they've had no practice and especially you know with the ever-changing defense against the dark arts Mm -hmm. yeah Reading this chapter again now, because it's it's been a while since I've revisited the seventh book, was wild. I have a nephew who's 10 and thinking about like, oh, there are children here who are a year older than my baby nephew. (sighs) Yeah, they've all left the fight, but still. They were part of this history, at least, you know, for some time. Mm Mm-hmm. So yeah, super stressful, super rough situation. But as Johnny and I, who was my guest in the last episode, described, J.K. Rowling does an impeccable job of making you feel in the moment Mm -hmm. and really putting you in the mind of Harry and Ron and Hermione just with, it's stressful to read these chapters. Yeah. (laughs) Like, it's actively daunting to go through it because you feel like you're there. And chaotic. Yeah, there's so much going on. And, And she does a great job of capturing just, like, the frantic nature of the brain space that all of these kids have to be in in the middle of this fight. It's very impressive writing. I wonder if she was informed at all by uh, having worked on the films because it feels much more cinematic than the earlier books. Like you Mm -hmm. can really get a sense of how it would be directed on screen. I'm curious about that interplay there. I think she has to be because I really noticed that she does a great job with the fight scenes in particular. Mm -hmm. Earlier in this book when it was McGonagall versus Snape, that was really picturesque. The end of the fifth book when it's Dumbledore versus Voldemort, it's really picturesque. Even the fourth book when Harry and Voldemort square off. She does a great job already, but yeah, I could see the movies just further assisting with that because by that time, the movies have really put a lot of the things in her brain into a physical form mm-hmm. and then she can legitimately envision what it would look like now that she has seen things like the special effects or the specific actors and actresses fighting and stuff like that like she can better imagine it 
with stuff being real and have happened and, and stuff, you know, taking place in the films. I could see it really making her do a more picturesque writing because yeah. it really has led to that. I also wonder if she was just like, yeah, this would look fucking dope on screen. <laughs> yeah, spiders. She sits back. Bring in the yeah. fucking spiders. The giant <laughs> steps through the ceiling. <laughs> Hermione pleads that they have to focus on killing the sneak. Hermione actually asks Harry to look inside Voldemort's mind. She tells him to do the thing that she has been begging him to prevent for the past few books to see where he is because now Harry will have an idea of where the snake is because Voldemort is not letting Nagini leave his side. So my first thought here in the notes was I thought Harry was going to play some sort of distraction card to get Nagini separated and then Ron and Hermione were going to go after the snake. No. Oh, that would have been so smart. I, that was my thought. <laughs> so yeah. you know how I was like focused? Focus doesn't necessarily mean like logical <laughs> <laughs> it's like the accurate and precise argument yeah exactly <laughs> like, yes yeah <laughs> so harry is able to do it pretty easily and he realizes that his scar has been hurting for hours but he kind of just like put it out of his brain because he's got bigger things to worry about so he flashes and he sees voldemort in a dark room with peeling wallpaper and a single oil lamp and immediately i was like oh cool he's in the shrieking shack mm -hmm. so voldemort is focusing on the room of requirement and he is confident that Harry wouldn't find it and clearly Voldemort has not been reading the books because they are <laughs> 12 steps ahead of you Lucius is in the room with him looking absolutely rough from his last punishment Ugh. he pleads for Draco's life and Voldemort hits him with quote if your son loses his life it is not my fault he did not come and join me like the rest of the Slytherins which is pretty rough he's so like for being a villain, he's so passive aggressive. Also, is like not true. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't go and join you. He stayed back to try to murder Harry Potter himself. He won up to what all the other kids did, which is just leave. Yeah. And also, the rest of the Slytherins is also not true. The yeah, like younger no. Slytherins were like didn't join in. Yeah, a lot of the Slytherins were just like. Anyway, peace out. <laughs> not that leaving is great, because I didn't enjoy that not even one stayed behind. Yeah. But yeah, it's not that all the Slytherins joined. They just decided to not fight the big group of racist, evil people and their friends. I mean, in their defense, like, fuck that. Right, yeah, yeah. they're kids. So totally, kids. totally. I just, if there was just one... Give me one. Like, what if Zabini was good, you know? This is one of my big pet peeves with the whole house system. Like, huge pet peeves is that J.K. Rowling boils people down to this, like, one essential characteristic and then really does not do a good job of interpreting that characteristic so like it's she almost like she has a propensity towards stereotyping hmm. Hmm. <laughs> wild let me look at cho chang my favorite asian character with two last names <sighs> she sure does lord in heaven i don't think i've said this on the podcast yet but it's a joke that my buddy stephen para made <laughs> which he was like oh yeah this is my hispanic friend fernandez dominguez <laughs> like uh... <laughs> Look, it's Garcia Ramos. Like, oh my God. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> There's this uh, spoken word poem that came out. Uh, oh, yes. Probably... Okay, yes. I have seen this. Yeah. It's really good. I don't remember mm -hmm. who the poet is. It's been a long time, but it's basically from that perspective of Cho Chang talking about the two last names and how horribly she's written, especially given she's a love interest for just some white dude. Mm. It's oh. so good. It's so good. Yeah, it's called To J.K. Rowling from Cho Chang, and it's by Rachel Rostad. There Thank we you. go. Thank you. It's very well done. And and more so than just the Asian perspective of it, 
it also talks about like, cool, we gave this character that all she does is cry a lot. And then yeah. Harry gets bored of her because she's sad. Yeah. Ugh. Cho Chang deserved better. This is something for after the series, but Angelina Johnson also deserved better, and I she have bones to pick. She deserves so much better. We can talk about that at a later date. She should have been the Hogwarts champion, not Cedric. Uh-huh. That would have been my pick, but anyway. Separate podcast. When we, when we get into <laughs> Angelina Johnson list, we'll talk about that. Yeah. So Lucius asks if Voldemort is concerned that someone else will kill Harry, and Voldemort sees this as some sort of awful excuse to save Draco. He goes on to ask Lucius to fetch Snape, and he says, there is a dot, 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 service I require from him, which I immediately hit the smirk emoji 15 (laughs) times in my notes. Oh, Voldemort, you need a service from Snape? I didn't realize I was reading My Immortal already. (laughs) Why is so much of it, like, so much of Voldemort's whole deal is so, like, weirdly uncomfortably sexual like oh, yes. all of the discussion about like but tom Merle, though am i right Oof. jk rowling why why is this necessary like is this necessary no but that was whole tom riddle's thing he was so hot that a ghost thought he was hot so <laughs> there's no bounds to his attraction also it's again like going back to the thing on stereotypes voldemort is very stereotypically evil yes in the way that yeah. he speaks and lots of other things, yes. but in the way that he speaks, especially. I would love to see Voldemort written as just like a normal ass person. <laughs> <laughs> like Lucius comes to him and he's like, but my son. And he's like, mm, sounds like a you problem. Yeah. Really my problem is instead. <laughs> like, I would love that. <laughs> yeah, give me a modern retelling where it's just like yes. a really sassy, evil Jonathan Van Ness is Voldemort. Sold. Where it's just like, I want to say my son, oh, honey, mm, oh, sorry. Honey. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't really understand why, if this is set in like the, you know, 80s, 90s, why everybody speaks like some sort of vaudeville villain. Like, why, like, I know that they're British, but like, can you chill, actually? Like, it's not that long ago. The fact that Fred and George never once said radical or tubular yeah. makes me severely doubt that these books actually take place in the 90s. <laughs> yes, agreed. Gosh, I want more people saying that things are rad. Yes. <laughs> so Voldemort then whispers, it is the only way, Nagini, to the snake, which at the time I was like, okay, that's kind of weird. And then you get to the end of the chapter and you realize, ah, very ominous foreshadowing, Voldemort. <laughs> <laughs> We learn that Nagini is in a protective, starry, transparent sphere, which begs the question, is Nagini just in the ball from Super Monkey Ball, the video game? Because that's what I was envisioning. (laughs) Right? Oh my god. I'm going to hear the music playing under everything we talk about now. And I'm not really mad at that. I hope that she's as bad at, at that game as I am. I, oh, I'm i awful at that <laughs> game. I never owned one, but it'd be one of those things where my friends would have it at their place. Be like, yeah, let's play some Super Monkey Ball. And then 15 seconds in, it's like, let's play anything else. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anything else. Let's play pickup sticks. Like anything else, please. What an awful concept of a game. It's like those bad old school marble things or shoot the moon or whatever. You know, yeah. those old games that people played in the 20s when they didn't have electricity. And that is a video game now. Sweet. (laughs) So snap back to Harry's reality. Oh, there goes gravity. And he confirms that the shack is where they're at. 
and he tells all of the details of what's going on that he saw to the squad. Hermione is surprised that Voldemort isn't fighting, but Harry reveals the brilliance of Voldemort's plan. He knows that Harry is killing Horcruxes, so obviously Harry is going to have to come to him in order to get Nagini. Ron then says, that's right, but that's what he's expecting us to do, so you stay with Hermione, and I'll go and kill the snake. Which, I love Ron's ambition here. Yeah. Ron, who is <laughs> afraid of everything, is like, don't worry, I'll kill the basilisk, you guys stay here. It's cool. <laughs> oh, Ron. I totally got this. But then the other two butt in, which they're all trying to argue that they should be the one to put the cloak on and go kill the snake but before they can bicker about this any further, the tapestry rips open and two Death Eaters scream, Potter! And Hermione then hits them with Glaceo. This is the first time we've seen this, right? Yeah. Like, I they've never no actively used a spell to turn stairs into slides. Uh, I think that this is the spell that makes the stairs turn into shoots when the boys try to get up to the girls' dormitories. Yes, but don't those stairs do it automatically? Like, the girls aren't saying Glaceo every time, right? No, but I figured it was, like, a sort of ongoing spell that could be triggered by that, you know? Okay, so it's, like, permanent Glaceo on the stairs. Right, but I still think that employing that here in the last book at a pivotal moment for the first time is like, eh, that's a choice. It's a choice that was made. J.K. Rowling never does that. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so it turns the stairs into a slide. I want to know if this does it for every staircase. Like if a <laughs> wizard is at the Washington Monument and they've gone up a bunch of stairs and then they go down and they're like, ugh, give me a break. And then just glissé a and they slide all the way down. Can they just use that in their daily life? You know, even if you like, you went into your attic to put away some clothes and you're like, ah, fine, Glaceo. <laughs> yeah. How is this not used more by just, you know, assholes? Fred and George would be <laughs> like, Glaceo like... all over the place. Like they would sure. be doing that every stairwell in the castle. Okay, so imagine that you want to rob a bank and you have, <laughs> like, <laughs> I feel like this would make everything even easier. Like you can probably apparate into a safe and then you can use this to make sure that like if there are stairs nobody can even get to you mm. hey actually i super want a series about crime in this universe <laughs> I, I want it i'm into it <laughs> i want the heist movie that'd be very fun so it turns the stairs into slides they slide down and they go through the other tapestry and once they go through Hermione hits it with Dura, which makes it solid, and then you just hear two loud crunches, and I'm really hoping that this is done in a Wiley e. Coyote style in the movie, where you see the outlines of these two Death Eaters, like, sprayed out, like Han Solo in the Carbonite. I really want just a Looney Tunes-esque moment here. Just break the serious tone of the film for four seconds, please. We've gotten to the Snape-shaped hole, right? Yes, and that, if that oh shit God. isn't the exact outline of Snape <laughs> in the film, I will be furious because, again, very Looney Tunes-esque. I'm imagining the exact perfect outline of Snape in a awkwardly flamboyant pose as he jumps <laughs> through the window and maybe turns into a bat or just looks like a bat. It hasn't been confirmed. <laughs> 
I really loved this use of spell. I just think it's very creative. Mm -hmm. It's the kind of thing where if you're playing D&D and you did that, your DM would be like, oh, nice. You get an inspiration point or whatever it is that helps you in the future. I love that she did that. So they then run along and they see a beat up McGonagall leading a herd of desks (laughs) down the hall yelling charge. And if there was no further proof of McGonagall's perfection, she's leading a herd of desks. (laughs) She's so cool. (laughs) This entire like montage that we're about to get into where they go through like different scenes in the battle is, I think, one of like J.K. Rowling's like best writing moments. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very well done. Like battle scenes, like battle like chapters, Mm -hmm. because she does this incredibly believable immersive still blend of the totally absurd and the seriousness of war right Mm -hmm. (laughs) in the way that only like hogwarts can be yeah and she writes it in a serious and believable enough way where for a second your brain goes is that a thing and then you go it is now where it's like she's leading a charge of desks and you're like that's kind of silly and then two seconds later actually that's super awesome go desks go desks yeah (laughs) go desks That's one of those things where, like, you can tell when J.K. Rowling really understands very specific characters. Because had that been anybody else, I would have been like, oh, okay. But because it's McGonagall, like, oh, first mm-hmm. off, I feel like she's resourceful enough where she would think of that. Second off, that just seems like such a McGonagall way to do something. Yeah. To mm-hmm. actually, like, use the desks. It's so good. It's so badass. Seeing her, like, get to be so cool is so great. Oh, yes. Which is why we need the McGonagall spinoff stuff. Yes. But also, I feel like it's very Scottish of her because I'm imagining <laughs> these desks are, like, sheep. And she's yeah. herding all the sheep together to charge against the Death Eaters. I absolutely love it. So the invisibility cloak is over all three of the squad and they are continuing to make their way through the castle. They go down some stairs and they see a bunch of people dueling in the corridor. Dean has won himself a wand and is fighting Dolohov. Parvati is fighting Travers and there's so much movement that the squad doesn't want to accidentally shoot off a spell and hit one of their friends so they just kind of keep making their way through. They hear a loud wee overhead and it's peeves dropping snargaluff pods onto the death eaters and what this does is engulf the heads of death eaters in green worms i love this so freaking much it's extremely extremely good it's again like this like peak moment of just like what and then you're like yeah it's peeves that makes sense yeah (laughs) awesome Mm -hmm. checks out it's like a username checks out of Reddit where it's a very strange comment. You see who left it. Ah, right, 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 right. So unfortunately, though, one of these pods lands on Ron's head, making it apparent that there are people using an invisibility cloak. So the Death Eaters take notice and yell that there are people using an invisibility charm of sorts. And Dean and Parvati then distract them and the squad runs away. As they are running, They hear Draco pleading with a Death Eater that he's Draco and he's on their side. But it doesn't look like that's going to work. So Harry has to stun the Death Eater as they pass. And then Ron, in the ultimate move, punches Draco in the face from under the cloak and says, and that's the second time we've saved your life tonight, you two-faced bastard. So good. So good. Very good. Oh. I don't know if this is like a Weasley force thing where since Fred has died, the joke force has now gone into all the other Weasleys and they're better (laughs) at cracking jokes. But I love that this happened. I feel like the moments of inflicting bodily harm on Draco Malfoy are just so 
satisfying so satisfying i love that his his method of trying to not get hurt is by saying that he's Draco Malfoy. Yep. <laughs> and I, can, I imagine that everybody else is like, yeah, we McFucking know. That's, <laughs> that's the problem here. That's the issue. <laughs> yeah, it is It is rough. And I believe Johnny pointed this out in a previous episode where just like the fall from grace of the Malfoys going from right-hand man to everyone thinks of them as the worst Death Eaters, mm-hmm. pretty abrupt. And I'm glad they got their comeuppance. But yeah, not a great look for Draco. It's also interesting that now he's been punched in the face by Hermione and Ron. <laughs> so I think Harry has to punch him in the face. I know he almost murdered him with Sectumsempra. But there's something about a punch to the face when you have a wand but you still resort to physical violence violence to send a message it just sends that extra little bit of oomph and i hope harry gets a good clock in before (laughs) this book ends so the battles continue there's yaxley versus flitwick which i want to see Mm -hmm. there is kingsley versus a masked death eater and then there is neville longbottom throwing tentacula at a bunch of death eaters i love that he is stuck to his bit and keeps using plants it's amazing also i'm gonna be up front every time i read yaxley i mix it up and i i read yakety sacks (laughs) that's what i that's what my brain does and so in this paragraph the yakety sack starts playing in my brain very good (laughs) i mean somewhat fitting for how frantic it is i could see it So the squad then starts to go down the staircase and Hermione shoots a spell at Fenrir Greyback as he tries to eat Lavender Brown's stirring body. I don't know if Lavender Brown is dead or passed out or whatever, or Fenrir has already gotten to her, but I just, oh man, Fenrir Greyback is so terrifying. That dude is is scary. That guy is like probably actually one of the best written villains in this series. Oh, absolutely. He's a perfect henchman just because we don't, learn enough about him to know exactly like his whole story but Lupin told us enough where we know to fear him he's the perfect kind of like B-class villain where I think Umbridge is the perfect villain like she Mm -hmm. was written so incredibly well but Fenrir Greyback is is written in a perfect like movie slasher monster sort of way where you know enough about the monster to be scared about them but not too much where you can like sympathize or know their story or anything like that and every time you shows up i'm just like oh i don't like that this guy is here which is what he's there for yeah he's like um sparky sparky boom man from avatar oh i have not oh done no that. <laughs> i mean is it surprising that the boy who has not watched game of thrones lord of the rings read <laughs> harry potter has not seen avatar the last airbender legit i'll save that for appa yip yipless i guess will be <laughs> whatever that is oh, that'd be La- so later good. down the road Fenrir Greyback is still up, but he gets knocked out by a crystal ball that Trelawney has launched (laughs) from a balcony above. And she says, I have more, which I wrote good. Use them for something productive, Professor Trelawney. (laughs) Gosh. I love how she describes it as like a move like a tennis serve. (laughs) (laughs) And like throws like this like gigantic crystal ball through a window. It's very good. The move like a tennis serve (laughs) thing is interesting because tennis involves a racket. Yeah. So I don't know if she meant the toss part of the tennis serve where you just kind of like gently toss something. Well, she, I think the (laughs) wand is supposed to be the racket because I think what she does is like she throws throws the crystal ball Mm -hmm. up and then with a flick of her wand sends it forward. Right. Okay. That is a good slingshot moment. Yes. Okay. But yeah. I, for a second, I was like, J.K. Rowling really doesn't know how sports work, does she? 
I mean, I mean, no. no. <laughs> so there's a bunch of spiders then that break into the school, you know, because that's a thing. Mm-hmm. And Hagrid comes in and tries to stop them from attacking, but he gets caught up in their midst while they retreat. And I wrote in all caps in my notes, is he dead? Oh, no, come on. So it's never confirmed or denied whether he's dead, but it's not looking good. I think he's going to survive. I don't think that we're going to get back-to-back deaths of people that we've known since book one that we really like. I would imagine that we're going to have some palate cleanser deaths of people that we don't care too much about in between. Like, I don't know. If Marietta dies, are we all that sad? You know, (laughs) I think there would be some other stuff to happen in between. I don't think we're going to get Fred and then Hagrid right one after the other, but I don't know. So at this point, given everybody who's already died... Whose death of those remaining would fuck you up the most, do you think? Um, I, I, it's, it, it's hard because I know some of the people that survive. Mm-hmm. Like, I know Ron, Hermione, Harry, and Ginny all make it. Or do they? They, they do. Yeah, they, they, they do. Yeah. <laughs> Ginny's would hurt the worst mm-hmm. because she had the whole lecture about staying in the room of requirement. That would be, like, the absolute worst. If JK really wanted to go full George R. R. Martin, you got to throw that one in there. But of the people left... I don't know. Like, Lupin wouldn't be the saddest because I wouldn't be, like, too surprised. And we've already had a Weasley, so I'm trying to think of, like, who who it could happen to that I would be, like, gutted by. I mean, Hagrid would be a top candidate. I mean, if, if McGonagall died, I would be devastated. I think that would probably be the worst. If she ends up getting killed, I would be f- absolutely floored, especially after we keep we finally get these chapters where we get to see her being an absolute badass. And if she doesn't make it out, uh, that's not going to be good. We'll see. I would also, and this sucks, but I'm not like, I wouldn't be too surprised if like one of Lupin, I don't think Tonks will die, but I could see Lupin dying. And that would be sad because he just had a kid. So that would suck. Mm-hmm. But man, yeah, killing both seems a bit much. To orphan young Teddy right away would be rough. Mm-hmm. So... Lupin's wouldn't surprise me too much. Tonks, that would suck, though. Also, because she's so young, too. Like, how how old is Tonks? Not that old. She's, like, early 30s, late 20s, I she's think. She's Bill's age, right? She's Bill's, Bill's age, age. Yeah. 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 They went to school together. Mm-hmm. I know that from Harry Potter's Hogwarts Mystery, which I haven't played since November. <laughs> hey, me too. <laughs> I never started that game. It's not. I think I'm fine with that. Great. The story is interesting, but. It is. If you want to just do the story, I recommend becoming a bonus episode tier patron of Potterless where I just narrated uh-huh. the story bits. But that's why I stopped playing the game is because it became very tedious because I was like, Ugh, I always have to play this game in front of a microphone now. Yeah. <laughs> I worked really hard and saved up a lot of like in-game money mm-hmm. and got myself some like super badass galaxy uh, cloak. Oh, yeah, I've got that shit. That yeah, shit yeah. is hype. And then I, I got it, and I was like, well, I I, I, I can't get to anything <laughs> higher than this. It's so it's so beautiful. I've completed my mission. The this end. I've, I've done it. What was hard for me was it used to be entertaining enough where, you know, like, I'll play video games, you know, for fun. Like, video games are intended. You know, like games. <laughs> you know. And so I used to just, like, play the game and sit in front of a microphone and record the story bits. But then it got so tedious that it wasn't just fun to do on its own anymore so I'd always try to do it as like an activity to go along with something else and then it just got too tedious I'll get back into it at some point but my Mm -hmm. girlfriend Kelly your fiance Kelly passed Mike gosh 
bless her heart. She has stuck all the way through. She's a year whatever and has 7,000 magical creature pets that I've never even heard of. But I'm proud of her. She's a completionist through and through. (laughs) Very good. Oh, pass Mike. Isn't that sweet you're proud of Kelly for playing Hogwarts Mystery, even though she's going on dates with Barnaby Lee? Uh, Not sure how to feel about that, but I am feeling great about taking a little break for Wingardium Adridosa. Today's episode of Potterless is brought to you by Circle. Let's say hypothetically that you are the parent of a certain red-headed family of wizards, and it's the modern age and the internet is becoming a thing, and you want to make sure that your children are using the internet wisely on their computers as well as their newfangled iPhones. Well, you want to make sure that they're not downloading apps they shouldn't, or going on websites they shouldn't, or spending too much time on certain apps or websites. That's where Circle can come in. Circle is the easiest way to manage your family's online time across all connected devices inside and outside your home. With Circle Home Plus and the Circle app, parents can filter what content is allowed, set limits for screen time, and monitor history and usage. Now, I do not have a family of my own, but I do have a little niece, and I had to babysit her recently. Thankfully, she just slept the whole time, but what if she wanted to use the iPad? I want to make sure that my niece isn't going places she can't, so this is where Circle can help. You hook up Circle to your Wi-Fi router, and you can set different limits for all different devices and even for guests. So if your niece comes over with an iPad, you can make sure that she's not going on places she can't. It makes me a bit more secure knowing that I'm not going to be responsible for her seeing some stuff she shouldn't. Circle's customization is huge because you can set different profiles for each family member. You can track it across all of their connected devices and make sure that everyone is customized for their needs, their age, maturity, stuff like that. And it works better than just putting some sort of extension on your browser because as a wide teen in my day, those are really easy to get around. So if you're a parent or you know a parent that is trying to make sure that their kids are using their phones and laptops and tablets in the right way, why don't you go tell them to check out Circle? And right now, Potterless listeners can get a special limited offer of $30 off a Circle Home Plus when you visit meetcircle.com slash Potterless and enter promo code Potterless at checkout. Again, you get $30 off when you go to meetcircle.com slash Potterless and enter code Potterless at checkout. This is a limited time offer exclusively exclusively for podcast listeners, so it's pretty nice. Again, meetcircle.com slash Potterless. Enter code Potterless at checkout. You'll save $30 and make sure that your Weasley children aren't going on a bunch of bad websites or spending way too much time on social media today. And now you'll hear words from a few sponsors who make it feasible for me to be a full-time podcaster. Some of these ads will be read by me. Others of them won't. The ones that aren't are inserted locally, so if you live internationally, don't be surprised if you hear an ad in your country's native language. And once those ads are complete, we'll get back to this episode of Potterless. This episode of Potterless is brought to you by Arena Club. Now, if you listen to this podcast, it should be no secret that I am both a sports nerd and more of a traditional nerd. And when you think of these two types of nerddom, there's one thing that links them together, and that is card collecting. Whether you are looking to buy, trade, sell, or display a card collection of sports cards or Pokemon cards, you should check out Arena Club. ArenaClub.com is the place where you can do all of these things. I have recently made a purchase on the marketplace. I got Lieutenant Surge's Raichu, which is my favorite Pokemon, and I didn't even know that there was a Lieutenant Surge version of the Raichu. So that is a card that I now have, and it's not just some digital thing. I can have this card physically mailed to me. So there's a bunch of cool stuff you can do with Arena Club, including their slab packs. If you have ever done any sort of card collecting, you know that ripping packs or repacks can be a zero transparency type of thing where you're just hoping you get some sort of cool card. But what's nice about the slab packs with Arena Club 
is that you have full transparency. You see what available cards are there, what your percentage of getting them is, what the gradings are, so it is not a complete black box. You're going into this knowing what cards you might get. And I've been using Arena Club, and it's pretty cool. It's very easy for me to look up different cards. I can favorite them, see what I want, and then whenever I want them shipped to me, I can get them shipped to me, and then I'll have the physical versions of them. Right now, you can get right 10% you can off get, your first purchase right by going to arenaclub.com slash Wow, that is a wild offer. 10% off a $400 slap pack is 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash Potterless for 10% off your first purchase. That's a wild offer. 10% off a $400 slap pack is 40 bucks right there. Anyways, whether you're a sports nerd or a Pokemon nerd or all sorts of nerds like me, you can use Arena Club today. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. So, yeah, Hagrid may be dead. Harry tries to chase after him, but he is stopped by a giant that is just punching and kicking out windows trying to grab people. Grop then goes on to fight it, and the squad chases after Hagrid for a bit. But then, if there couldn't be more calamity to happen, a bunch of Dementors show up because that's where we're at in this fight. Yeah. <laughs> Hermione calls for them to do Patronuses, but Harry just feels this overwhelming sense of hopelessness because of the death of Fred and now this potential death of Hagrid. There are 100 Dementors approaching them, and Harry's despair, his little internal sad monologue, is described by the narrator, quote, like a promise of a feast. So just, he's not feeling super great. Ron's Patronus, a terrier, shoots out, but then flickers away. The same with Hermione's otter. Harry's wand is just trembling in his hand, and he just begins to welcome the sweet release of death. He's pretty much given up at this point. Until a silver fox, a silver boar, and a silver... I was listening to the audiobook, so it was hard to understand what Stephen Fry said. I wrote hair that yeah. didn't, is that like yep. a rabbit it's hair? hair? Rabbit, okay. like yeah. a rabbit, yeah. Okay, yeah. good. A For a brief second, I was like, hair? That's not an animal. But then I remembered <laughs> about the tortoise and the hair. It's just a cousin <laughs> it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's a way better Patronus. And if it was Luna's, I could totally see it. Well, I mean. <laughs> they all fly past him, and we learn that it's Luna, Ernie, and Seamus. Yeah. And these Patronuses begin to work, and Luna Luna, in the crowning moment of Luna being the best Ravenclaw, just very calmly says, that's right, Harry, think of something happy. Thanks, Luna. Very instructional, which I absolutely love. <laughs> it is described in the narrator as if she's teaching it in Dumbledore's army's lessons. Ah, oh, it's so good. <laughs> All Harry can muster out is something happy. And Luna says, yes, we're all still here. We're fighting. Come on now. Which is absolutely amazing. Oh, yeah. I love her so much. Luna is like, like a shining moment of hope in this scene. In this book, in really. In this book, like, yeah. <laughs> like for real. Like every time she shows up. The stories of Luna and Neville throughout the whole seventh book are just so gorgeous. And I love seeing mm -hmm. these two kind of second string characters really get their due and get 
get stories that like respect them Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. because they've been kind of both comic relief characters earlier Mm -hmm. and here they're just treated with so much dignity in the writing that I really love. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. And and this book really has cemented those. While I was reading the earlier books, I was confused. Like, why do people like Neville so much? Why do people like Luna so much? Neville's just, you know, you feel bad for him. And, and Luna is just strange, cool, and quirky, whatever. But... This book, now I get it. Mm-hmm. It's it's fun for me, and, and this is the whole point of Potterless being entertaining. It's <laughs> <laughs> that, like, the 180s that I'm doing on the characters. Like, I didn't like Hermione in the early episodes of Potterless. I didn't like Dobby. I thought Neville and Luna were overrated. And now you get these, not necessarily redemption arcs, but I get to slowly realize, oh, that's why people like these characters so much. They're all wonderful and perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> So it's been fun to see that. But yeah, Luna in this book, man, she just really cements herself as a fantastic witch and a fantastic character. Yeah. Harry then, with the greatest effort he has ever had to use, produces the stag and it finishes off the Dementors. Ron thanks the three friends very genuinely, which is nice because Ron doesn't do that a whole lot in the series. No, nope. <laughs> so this this new Ron is very good. We've had Ron think about the house elves. We've had Ron care about his family. We've had Ron thank people and not be a smug asshole about it. Ron is really doing well in this particular end portion of the seventh book. I'm very happy for him. Mm-hmm. Same. It's nice seeing him remember that feelings can feel like things. Actually. <laughs> it's nice seeing this development. Yeah. With the, with the whole feelings thing, especially as like a, a young male character. Yes. Who is clearly like grappling with the fact that like emotions are not a thing that he wants to deal with, you know, emotional range mm-hmm. of a teaspoon mm-hmm. and just seeing this like way rider range of not just, being able to like express those emotions, but also make sure that other people realize that this is what he is feeling in that moment. Yeah. This is very, very good. No, it's fantastic. So this amazing heartfelt moment is ruined by another (laughs) giant. (laughs) So (laughs) the group disperses, the other three go back to the fight and the squad heads towards the Whomping Willow so that they can go to the Shrieking Shack. Harry decides to bottle up the thoughts of Fred and Hagrid and just push them deep down, which, as an Irish Catholic, I can relate to. <laughs> yeah, legit. So <laughs> oh, they, boy. They get to the tree, and they start dodging to get to the knot, which makes the tree stop fighting. Hermione asks how they're going to get in, and Ron says he wishes that they had Crookshanks again, which made me think, yeah, where has Crookshanks been for the past, like, four books? Yeah, no clue. (laughs) No one knows. It very much feels like a Dungeons & Dragons campaign where you just forget about an item you have. Yeah. (laughs) Or in the Adventure Zone, you're Travis, and you just forget you have a pet for both of your characters, and you just never (laughs) talk about them, ever. Yeah. Uh, feels very much like that moment but Hermione then hits Ron with Crookshanks are you a wizard or what which is a very good callback to the first book (laughs) that is very good love this callback oh my goodness I was absolutely stunned at how good this was so good incredible so Ron looks around he finds a twig and then he uses Wingardium Liviosa, which is also a very good callback. Yes. It's so full circle. We've started with Ron not being able to pronounce it properly, and now he is using it to help them defeat Voldemort. Oh, fantastic. I love it. Extremely good. Extremely good. That's that's something that this book in particular is very good at. Mm-hmm. Which is the callbacks to 
other stuff Yes, in the early part of the series. It's very solid. So before they go in, Harry says, wait, because he fears them walking into a trap, since this is exactly what Voldemort wants. And I screamed out loud, thank you. But then they just decide, <laughs> nah, screw it. We have to kill the snake without giving it any sort of thought of a potential other plan. They just go through. The way this is written... I was so into this chapter, and then we got here, and uh, there's this quote, but then the reality seemed to close upon him, cruel and plain. The only way forward was to kill the snake, and the snake was where Voldemort was, and Voldemort was at the end of this tunnel, and all I could think was like, but if you're doing the thing, and I'm doing the thing, who's flying the plane? Like... So like, like just watching some like the gears turn in somebody's head. Like, oh, wait, we're idiots. But <laughs> 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 they just do it. <laughs> yeah, so they kind of just have to do the thing that Voldemort exactly wants them to do. Harry begins to crawl through, and he's wearing the cloak with the other two behind him, single file. And Harry approaches the end of the tunnel, and he can hear voices, and he sees a crate blocking their path. So he peers through the crate, and he sees Nagini in her super monkey ball sphere, which floats in midair. He sees Voldemort's hand playing with the Elder One, and he sees Snape speaking to Voldemort. Snape is saying that he can find Potter and bring him to Voldemort, and Harry tries to think of a way to sneak a spell on Nagini, but he knows that if he gets it wrong, it'll give him away, and that's game over, so he just decides to watch this whole interaction unfold. Voldemort tells Snape that he has a problem, and he asks why the wand doesn't work for him. And at this point, I just imagine Ollivander popping out of a window and just screaming, (laughs) because the wand chooses the wizard! (laughs) (laughs) Like, his spider sense is tingled. It's like, someone made this thing where I can respond, the wand chooses the wizard. You get it, Ollivander. Stop talking about 11-inch wood to children. So Snape is very confused, saying that Voldemort has performed extraordinary magic with that wand, and Voldemort says no, it's been his usual magic, and this made me disappointed, because I was like, oh, for a brief moment, I was like, oh sweet, the Elder Wand doesn't work, but ah, blast, it does work. Mm -hmm. Voldemort goes on to this lovely thing where he compliments himself, which he's been doing a lot in this book, and he goes, I am extraordinary, but this wand has not revealed the wonders it has promised. And I love that Voldemort is always patting himself on the back. Like, he always takes the sense to be like, I am the most precious boy. (laughs) He did, like, call himself that a couple chapters ago. Like, (laughs) he called himself most powerful and precious. So Voldemort then goes on to ask Snape if he knows why he called for Snape. And he says no, but he wishes to return to the fight to look for Potter. And Voldemort says that you and Lucius just don't get it. Harry will come to me. I know his flaw. He will hate seeing those around him suffer, knowing that it's because of him, which I mean is very like it's a very good read from Voldemort here. Like he's got Harry down to a T. Yeah, I feel like Voldemort could have just been like hero complex. Don't worry. <laughs> like just uh-huh. truncate. All <laughs> when has Voldemort ever truncated anything? <laughs> um, when he chopped off his nose. <laughs> <laughs> Other than that. Can't really think about it. (laughs) (laughs) 
So Snape brings up that Harry might accidentally die in the battle, and Voldemort says that his instructions to his Death Eaters were clear. Capture Harry, kill his friends, the more the better, but don't kill Potter. Which I get, but when your roster has Yaxley and Dolohov and Lucius on it, and it used to have Pettigrew, can you really trust this sloppy group of racists to do things right? Like, these guys fuck up all the time. Can you really trust them to not make a building collapse on top of Harry or something? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's very weird that he has this interplay of, like, I don't trust anyone. And, like, <laughs> hmm, they're mine, and so I trust them all completely. Like, it's so tactically bad. Mm-hmm. How is he so uh, effective in what he does, but also so genuinely bad at planning shit strategy yeah his strategy is very short-sighted yes (laughs) it's like very in the moment kind of strategy and i guess that's why he was killed by a baby right exactly And it's like depending on what he needs in that moment that's when he decides whether or not he's going to trust the people that he has like coerced into joining this racist cult with him Mm -hmm. (sighs) yeah i I wouldn't trust the death eaters farther than i can throw them but here we are with voldemort so voldemort (laughs) says that snape has been very loyal And Snape says, of course, but please let me go find Potter. And Voldemort is getting upset at Snape insisting upon this and says no. Voldemort says his concern is for what he will do after he confronts Harry. He asks why both wands failed when directed at Harry Potter. Snape says that he cannot answer that. And Voldemort says, can't you? Which makes me think of can't I? Which is very good. Love that this is a recurring theme for Voldemort. Harry's scar is absolutely freaking out due to Voldemort's rage. And Voldemort continues this monologue. He first cites the twin core thing for the first wand. But then he says that Lucius's wand crumbled upon meeting Potter's. And... Here's something that I thought at this point. I I wondered if Snape had something to do with this. I was wondering if Snape had interfered in some way, but I'm not really sure. Maybe we'll learn in the next chapter. And Snape has been staring at Nagini the entire time during this interaction. And again, I was wondering if Snape's legitimacy was so good that he could tell Harry was across the room and he was going to try to kill Nagini in a last-ditch effort, which I thought would have been really cool, but the opposite happens. Um, (laughs) I actually also want to, like, I want to, like, put a note here is, like, this, this speech that Voldemort is now giving about, like, when the wand isn't working and it's failing harry actually has closed his eyes and he is voldemort in this yes. moment, and he's looking at snape which is why he can tell that snape is looking at nagini mm-hmm. and also like just just like a really like creepy moment to me yeah by the way now i am like watching you as i give you what is amounting to like your last rites <laughs> yeah. so voldemort then goes on about the elder wand which he then goes on to say, <laughs> he does the whole naming bit, yeah. where he's like, the Elder Wand, the Wand of Destiny, the Death Stick, which is such a bad name. <laughs> it, that just sticks out like a sore thumb. It's such Death a bad stick. name. Like, it doesn't sound cool. No. It's trying to be like in Sandlot when they say Babe Ruth, the Great Bambino, the Colossus of Clout, like all this stuff. But the Death Stick is just such a bad nickname for the Elder Wand. 
It's so bad. There could have been so many other things to say here other than death stick. How did they let her get away with that? I don't know. It's so bad. And that <laughs> quote in particular really cemented that it was an awful name because the other ones are great. Yeah. Elder Wand sounds intimidating. Wand of Destiny sounds powerful. Death stick sounds lazy. <laughs> I don't know. What is this? What do we call this twig that kills people? I don't know. The death stick? Yep. Mm-hmm. Got it. <laughs> Ugh. Awful. Awful. Voldemort then goes on to mentioning about how he took it from the grave of Dumbledore. And at this point, Snape's face goes pure white. And again, I thought, oh, did Snape switch out the wands or something? But no. I, I was really trying to find some cool stuff for Snape to do in this moment. But he ends up just getting, spoiler alert, murdered by a snake. Yep. I thought he was going to do something cool. Snape again asks to leave the room to look for Potter, and Voldemort just ignores him at this point. Yep. Voldemort says he's been thinking about it all night, and he thinks he has the answer. Voldemort says that the wand doesn't work because it belongs to whoever killed its last owner. And then I realize, oh no, he's going to, it's Snape's, so he's going to try to kill Snape. Snape! So Snape realizes... Also, what Voldemort is getting at, and Voldemort just says there cannot be any other way, he slashes the air with his wand, and it moves Nagini's monkey ball sphere to engulf Snape's head and his shoulders, and then in parcel tongue, Voldemort says kill. And this is brutal. Yeah. Like, that is mm -hmm. gruesome. It's really oh. graphic. Do you know what this reminds me of? It reminds me of the, the scene in Wicker Man. Uh, with the bees? Oh! But, like, less, you know, less makes me laugh. I mean... <laughs> you just feel ultimate helplessness. Because even if he just released Nagini from the sphere and it was just them in a room fighting, that would be terrifying. But we've put Snape's head and shoulders only in a sphere with the snake like there is no getting out of that and just that feeling of oh he's fucked is rough yeah yeah i think that there's something telling about snape's last moments being isolated from everything else except for his own undoing Ooh. he's and go ahead ellie oh no, I was just going to say the fact that he's died in the Shrieking Shack. Yes. Oh, I didn't even oh, realize yeah. that. Yeah, the, like, the Shrieking Shack where he almost died before James saved him as a child, and now he has died whoa, in the Shrieking Shack. Whoa. Oh, my God. Yeah. Good. Yeah. This is why I have smart people as guests. I never <laughs> would have picked up on that. Wow. Yeah, this death scene is, I was actually like, and still is, honestly, like, very difficult for me. Yeah. Like, even though I don't like Snape, like, it is a very difficult death scene. Like, as you said, like, it's very graphic. The isolating thing, Will, that you mentioned is is very much in play, especially with the fact that he's in the Shrieking Shack. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, oh, cool. So we're just going to, like, really stomp on him now. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. It's All right. Rough. His continual trying to, like, change the subject to is so is so upsetting because it's so desperate and you it's know so it's desperate. not going to work and you know what he's trying to do because he had to have realized yeah you know that it was done oof yeah yeah not not great it's absolutely rough but again well written yep so snape gets bit in the neck and voldemort with no remorse says i regret it which makes me think he doesn't regret it and then Voldemort and Nagini fly out of the room as Snape's neck just gushes with blood. So Harry moves the box aside and goes towards Snape, though he knows not why. He just feels compelled to 
go up to him and, and see if he's okay or if there's anything that he can do. Snape pulls Harry close and he just can muster out, take it, take it. And that's when the narrator describes a silvery blue gushing out of Snape's face, which made me realize, ah, yes, a pensive memory. So Harry can see all of, you know, whatever Snape wants Harry to see to justify, Mm -hmm. which I'm glad that this exists in the Harry Potter universe Mm -hmm. so that you don't have someone, you know, being a martyr and no one gets to know their story. I'm glad that Snape is at least able to do this. Mm -hmm. I'll see in the next chapter if it's good enough to warrant, (laughs) you know, a redemption of sorts. But I do like that this is at least an option in the wizarding world. Yes. I think that it is narratively interesting, perhaps... Clunky. <laughs> Will, Will has opinions convenient. about the pensive thing. Oh. I do. I really loved it while reading it when I was little. And now looking back, I'm like, oh. Okay, so like almost all of the conflict in all of these books totally could have been cleared up by just like three normal conversations and not like, hey, let's posthumously deploy information via memories. Uh, sure, but fine. <laughs> yeah, if Slughorn would have just swallowed his pride and said, hey, I told a kid about horcruxes Mm -hmm. and i said a little too much a lot of problems would have been solved Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but he didn't do that because he's a slytherin and all the slytherins (laughs) we learn about in the book besides tonks's mom and i guess maybe regulus are bad yep yep so harry gets a flask thrust into his hand that was conjured by hermione he goes and then fills the memory inside of it and snape then says look at oh wait sorry i gotta do my snape voice it's like squidward look Mm, Potter, look at me. And then Snape dies. <laughs> and, and I know that this is just because I love a good joke and stuff, but I, I can't see the phrase look at me without thinking of the what's the the pirate Tom Hanks movie where it's like, look at me. Look at me. <laughs> what? I'm the dead professor now. <laughs> what? I can't see the words look at me without thinking of it. It's just too good. And I've never no even seen it. Oh, you ne- you've never seen the look at me? It's like from uh it's it's the movie where Tom Hanks is the captain of a boat and then it gets taken over by the Somalian pirates. Oh. And then the guy's like, Look at me, look at me. I'm yes, the captain okay, now. I do know now. Yeah. <laughs> but we all understand why Snape says look at me, right? I didn't get yeah. it. I just thought it was like dramatic. It's because Harry's eyes are Lily's eyes. Oh, boo. Fuck. Yeah. I hate that. <laughs> God fucking damn it. That sucks so much. It's so I'm sorry. Yeah, it's really oh, I That's hate why that it's the so green eyes much. found the black. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, it's really annoying, yeah. but that's why. Uh, can you imagine having a crush on a girl this badly? Can you imagine? Whoa. My. Like, I don't want to Give imagine. it up, dude. She didn't like you. Just drop it. It <laughs> happens. You're not entitled to people that you think are hot. Nope. nope. Oh, my gosh. Sure aren't. Drop it. Oh, I hate this so much. Oh, oh I can't wait for the next episode. Oh, <laughs> my God. We're in the perfect frame of reference for me to not feel sad about Snape's death. Gah, fuck. Good. Yep. I was feeling kind of bad for him. Thank you. <laughs> So much for letting me not feel bad anymore. You're welcome. That's the end of chapter 32. That's the end of this episode of Potter Alert. <laughs> Ellie and Will, how do you feel about the death of this asshole? <laughs> and the whole chapter, I guess. <laughs> I'm so 
so glad that I got to tell you that. Oh, I was just so geez. pleased. <laughs> what? Very much a good moment for me. Um, I love this chapter. It's so good. So, like, I read this chapter, and I actually read, like, a, the chapters, like, next to it as well. Mm-hmm. It just reminded me how good J.K. Rowling is at adapting her writing mm-hmm. yeah. to fit what the moment needs to be, like writing the battle scenes, writing this last death scene, writing, you know, the the aftermath from Fred's death. It was very good to read it and feel like, oh, yeah, this book made me feel things. Like, yeah, <laughs> a lot of things, and it still does. Yeah, reading it again after having taken a long break from anything Harry Potter related. Same. Because J.K. Rowling is... Terrible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Not ideal. Because she's, uh, she, yeah, she's a problematic mess. So I have a Harry Potter tattoo. It was the first tattoo I ever got. I have the little stars that are around um, the chapter titles on my foot. Very good. It's very good. It is very good. I still love the tattoo, but there is like some conflict there, you know, and like some conflict in the amount of time and energy that I've invested in this thing. But this was a really good reminder that like I did that for a reason. You know, like these things did resonate for a reason. The series still does stay with me. Um, and it is, at times at least, as good as I remember. Because this this chapter was so fucking good. It was so well written. Yes, it's very well done. And I now understand, I'm going back on the the message thread that I had the two with the two of you when I asked, do you want to do chapter 32? Because you both replied within seconds of me saying, do you want to do chapter 32? Yes, wow. And yes, please. Both in all caps. <laughs> So I was like, oh, this must be a good one. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, uh, yeah. I mean, it was a good chapter, and these have all been very solid. I very much anticipated that the end of book seven was just going to be one banger after the next, and it has not disappointed. It's been some really action-packed stuff, and it's been super intense. And I now understand how the eighth movie could be about maybe 100 pages of the book, but still have enough to make a full film. Oh, yeah. These are meaty beefy things and there's a lot going on i'm very excited to see whatever memories snape has prepared for harry we'll see what's up but uh i don't know interesting you spot. Yeah, now. It'll, uh, i'm really excited for you to read that yeah I'm, like, i might really yeah. i might read once we finish recording <laughs> but uh ellie and will Please thank you us. yeah yeah i'll oh of course come on uh thank you okay. both so much for joining uh do you each want to talk about where other people listening can can see you you've written many nice words about podcasts and and all sorts of reviews and stuff and fortunately sometimes it's about ones that i work on uh but <laughs> you're you two are both amazing resources for people who are like i'm all caught up on potter so what do i do uh why don't you t- let people know where they can find your writing and, and talking and stuff ellie go first okay you can catch me on twitter at showmark that's s-h-o-m-a-r-q i shout about podcasts and podcast related things there a lot um, you can find my writing at my website. That's elenafernandezcollins.com. And you can also find my writing at places like the Bellow Collective, Podmass at the AV Club, uh, and the Podcast Review, which is a channel from the Los Angeles Review of Books. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And you can find me on Twitter at, at WillWWrites. That's W-I-L-W underscore writes. You can find me on my site, which is willwilliams.reviews. It's will with one L. I also write for Podmass on the AV Club. I write for Polygon sometimes. Um, I also write for Discover Pods and the Podcast Host. So 
I'm in places. <laughs> Will also has a podcast. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah. Um, if podcasts are your jam, I am a co-host of the podcast Tuned In, Dialed Up, which is a podcast on podcasts from two podcast critics. We talk about the industry and best practices and a whole bunch of things. And we always do recommendations and terrible puns. It's a good time. I very much enjoy the podcast. Thank you. Specifically, the part of the episode where you said that I forget how you're talking about editing in like areas you don't expect it. And you were like, you know what, low key has really good editing and doesn't get enough credit? Potterless. That is edited <laughs> it's so, so well. True. Because I do so a lot of editing for Potterless yeah. and I do my best to make things sound as smooth as possible. I could be lazy and just throw the audio files out there, boom. But I like meticulously with a fine tooth comb, try to make everyone sound as beautiful and crisp and perfect as possible. And I'm very glad that without prompting someone who knows a lot about podcasting was like, this dumb, silly little podcast actually <laughs> is very well edited by this boy on GarageBand who doesn't even use a mouse. He just uses the trackpad <laughs> and drags. <laughs> oh my God. No, but it's so good. It's one of those things where like, you know that it's good editing because 99% of people listening probably won't even realize that it's edited. Mm -hmm. But if you're somebody who listens to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of podcasts, you can tell not in that you're leaving, you know, your finger marks all over the edits, but in how seamless things are and how well things flow. The best editing is the kind that you won't always recognize off the bat. But then once you start listening for it, you realize how clean and how smooth it is. You do you do good work. Thank you. This is something that Eric Schneider, the editor and sometimes co-host of Spirits and I have talked about. We, we're in our multitude Slack channel every now and then. We'll message and just be like, oh, man, I just did the best editing. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll do this like I'll brag to Kelly sometimes or I'll be editing something like we'll have little work parties where we're like both doing stuff. She'll be like web designing and I'll be editing Potterless or whatever. And I'll like pull out my headphones so she can hear it. And I'll just be like, OK, I'm going to play 10 seconds of audio. Guess how many clips there are. Like, guess how many times I cut something. <laughs> And I'll hit play and she'll be like, I don't know, two. And I'll be like, seven. <laughs> <laughs> Which is very fun. <laughs> so, yes, go check out Ellie and Will's writing if you want. And Will's podcast if you want to hear people talking or writing about amazing podcasts. It's incredible resources for finding other shows. And it's it's just nice to have people who, who write really like thoughtful reviews and you two are both so helpful in the podcasting space. If any of you out there are starting a podcast and you want advice, Will and Ellie are incredible resources. So I'm very glad that you two ladies were able to be on the pod. I really appreciate it. Thank, Thank you, you for, for having, having us. <laughs> the unison there was very good. <laughs> that, we do that a lot. Classic us. <laughs> oh man. Well, Will and Ellie, Thank you again so much for joining listeners. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, as they say in the wizarding world of Harry Potter, before they boot up their PlayStation 2 to play Super Monkey Ball, <laughs> wizard on! <laughs> oh, that's very good. Hey, if you're confused about me talking about this Potterless Discord, let me explain what it is. If you've ever used Slack, it kind of looks like that, except it's a big, fun family. It's just an online community where there are different channels dedicated all to Potterless things, which I've customized. We have things where you can talk about the most recent episode. We have things where you can talk about Harry Potter in general. We have channels where you can share photos of violently purple things you see in the wild, or share your pets in Kingsley Shacklebolt's corner. There's so many fun things, and there's a lot of really fun community stuff going down there. So if you want to be a part of that and make a whole bunch of new friends over 100 you can go to patreon.com slash be a two dollar patron and then you're in on the
Discord is a great time. Potterless is created by Mick Schubert. It is hosted by Mick Schubert. It is edited by Mick Schubert. It is produced by Mick Schubert as well as Leanne Davis, Vicky Garcia, Aaron Johnson, Jesse Horgan, Natalie Klobuchar, Klaus Lopu, Frank Chioto, Marchismo, Samantha Rose, Juan Sanfelio, Kieran Webb, Abita Med, Rose Marie Dodge, Jill Boulay, Maria Lisa C. Keen, Romina Rivadonera, Camille Doc, Russell Dunk, Dustin Roland Cooch, Audra, Eleanor Curlin, Cindy Cawthorn, Billy Hinton, Rossanne Batamana, Nikita Power, Taylor Armstead, Ali Madsen, Amelia Krauss, Sean Montag, Sarah Nink, Ben Silver, Rachel Guthrie, Zachary Polito, Orchid Grower, Vivian the Owl, Takari Arant, Haley Hastings, Moster, Pinky Pan, Angelina Withard, Ross Marie Heise, Alex Bisholta, Brian Williams, Williams, Caitlin Sullivan, Mosin Siddiqui, Grace Riggles, Raul Pineda, Ingan Odstadter, Mari Wynn, Brianne Wingate, Alexandra Consulver, John Kotker, Jenna Juice, Noel Basile, Tao, Emily Tyrell, Robin Fernandez, Will Barrington, Liz Bigelow, Mariah Noah, Brandon Pickens, Sarah Enslin, Claire Spencer, Teal, Rory Collier, Gloria Gillum, Sarah and Patrick Donovan, Alicat29, Hallie Bowen, Veronica Bartova, Kevin Harnoy, Lotta Bartova, Noah, Tracy Toya, Carlos Nino, Pam Webb, Colleen, Jennifer Mark, Lufried, AJ Svensson, Ivor Peterson, Naomi Guglielmo, Tyler Latra, Summer Rathal, Heather Fleischman, Vera Cullitham, Carrie D. Baggison, Andrea Crock, Elisa Grieven, Lynn Walker, Cameron Watt, Justin Montero, Christine Saunders, Jacob Parrish, Toothless Walnut, Maya Gray, Mark Body, Polly Burge, Srujan Thanbegupta, Brittany Gutierrez, Ned Atabani, Tumnus Moran, Remy Fontaine, Mats Furley, Sarah Shecker, Nona VM, Zena Rosnowski, Emily Tilly, Colleen Mage, Harlan Haskins, Sheldarp, Noelia, Addie, Brian, Wash and Large, Jenny Campione, Nikki Harris, Kara Hamilton, Dorcas, Courtney Hemwood, Kine Roan, Amanda Alfred, Sabrina, Alicia McLaren, Kafir Shaltiel, Lindy Plackey, Martha Madueno, Benjamin Desmond, Tajinder Chumber, Skymart Six, Sarah Shedder, Peter Vostinak, Yash Patel, Marta Morrison, Stephanie Magnuson, Justine Wade, Aaron Richter, CJ Ochoco, Eileen Jesh, Kate L. Dobbs, Violet Sullivan, Hannah Suzanne Gormley, Kat Yowell, Lindsay Towning, Elizabeth Agathon, Fielding Lee, Stephanie Hofert, Keegan Curran, Miranda Manning, Gail Ann, Mr. Folk, Heather McMillan, Adam Bryant, Jesus Aguilar, Christina Welton, Maya, Zachary Davis, Kieran, Ariel Rigdon, Heaven, Callahan Anders, Christy, Lily Leader Williams, Wire Warrior 4976, Georgia, Floor Sake, Ville Donner, Itzel Aime Ayala, Mitch Williams, Alvega, Topher Williams, Peter Wyckoff, Candy Kane, Skyla Lily, Ed Ryan, Professor Threat, Sebastian, Kelsey Wlesian, Ellie Hoskovchova, Kelly Elise, Savvy Blue, and Can't I Potter? Web designed by Kelly Beckman, and the music is by Bettina Campamanis. If you want to follow us on social media, you can at facebook.com slash potterless, twitter.com slash potterless pod, instagram.com slash potterless podcast, and reddit.com slash r slash potterless. All bonus content lives at patreon.com slash potterless. All information about the show lives at potterlesspodcast.com, and merchandise lives at bit.ly slash merge on. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, as they say in the wizarding world of Harry Potter, wizard on! Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.